to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. You can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 47 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source for the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about Did a conspiracy theorist create the X-Files? Funeral homes owned by the deep state? Will Smith used to be a conspiracy theorist? DeSantis bans crypto? Trump destroys CNN? An all-new Opus Corner, and for history, we're going to be talking about how MKUltra is being used on the masses today, how Opa befriended John Denver, AI race swap, and me having a little bit too much fun with AI, memes, and much more, so stay tuned. Now, as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. How you doing? Doing all right, Jeremiah. It's good to be here. Looking forward to today's show. All right. Well, you ready to dive right in? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, so this week I found some really great depictions of what we do here at Skiba News Nation. Check this out. Instead of conspiracy theorist, I identify as a professional noticer, a connect the dots expert, 
and a spoiler alerts specialist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's so many things happening in the world that we need to be aware that our emotions are being used against us. As stories bubble to the forefront of mainstream media, uh, there's a Hegelian dialectic aspect of the powers that be that seek to create problems and then offer solutions when we go, oh no, we have a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is so important to recognize and that is why uh, you must learn to discipline your emotions because if you don't, your enemies will use them against you. <laughs> uh, great quote there from Bruce Lee, right? What an important time to be in control of our emotions considering what's going on in the world and how manipulative the media that we consume can be. We just passed through Mother's Day and I wanted to share this quick picture. Uh, we have $8 an hour waitress, right? We have a nurse, $30 an hour. We have a, a working class lawyer type woman, $100 an hour. And then we have a mama taking care of her baby priceless right hmm. so we just passed through mother's day and it's a great reminder that uh, our society is trying to destroy the family unit uh, they want to encourage ladies to leave home and go and work for a man uh, behind a desk right instead of uh, working to build up a home working to be a mother that is priceless uh, our society is slowly degrading because one uh, population growth is severely stunted, especially here in the West. We know that for a, a population to grow, you have to have so many kids. And not only is the trans uh, LGBTQ agenda affecting uh, birth rates, everybody's participating in uh, stuff that can't actually procreate, uh, can't actually make babies, but also the whole attack on uh, traditional relationships is all over the place encouraging ladies hey go have multiple sexual partners don't stay at home don't be a wife don't ever get married uh, don't ever have a kid and if you do have a kid get that kid aborted because you don't want to affect your working life right but uh, just a great reminder of what is truly priceless is uh as you know mom's taking care of kids and, and i know i'm so grateful for my wife and uh she's uh you know uh, a mother times two so she's got we've we've had two kids and uh i'm very grateful for her so we just want to share that since we just passed through mother's day in today's world please note the post-apocalyptical fiction section has been moved to current affairs uh <laughs> kind of kind of funny uh, i think opa sent me over this one and if you understand what the term apocalyptic means it means the unveiling the, uh, the revealing and it doesn't necessarily mean armageddon right it doesn't mean the destruction of everything and all life is over but it it, it the term actually is tethered to this premise of the unveiling of truth and how that truth gets swallowed is a whole different story but it's so important to realize that as we look around us quotes like this come to fruition dying societies accumulate laws like dying men accumulate remedies and i thought this was a, a really interesting quote from nicholas gomez debula 
Uh, and it was uh, it's pretty interesting because we see here in the West, there's so much bureaucratic jargon and uh, bureaucratic constipation in the higher echelons of government. And it's just this back and right, left and right paradigm and nothing gets done. And what it makes me think of is this well often quoted statement, right? Soft men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times, right? Well, <laughs> gentlemen, it is with great displeasure I inform you that soft men are making hard times. <laughs> so uh, we, we're living in the apocalypse, right? And why is it <laughs> that this is true? In a society with more dumb people than smart, democracy becomes a serious problem <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what we see happen in the cities where people are so used to a life tethered to the system so used to a life where they're depending on uh, on supply lines where they're living in very close proximity with many many people no wonder their mindset of people that live in these big cities is oh you need to take out the children this is not a safe environment women don't want to have kids and if they have kids they're aborting them if they uh everybody's practicing some type of birth control because you don't want to bring up a child in such a stressful environment just in your deepest recesses of your mind there's a subliminal control that influences people to lean away from growing families like i talked about in that mother's day picture and instead towards isolating and and uh, pr uh, practicing alternative forms of sexuality because it's not a, a healthy place to grow. And so innately our culture and our mental state as a so society growing in these intense metropolitan areas that are stressing us out, make us go the opposite route uh, of what God intended us to be and do in nature, which is to spread out, to grow, to have families, to subdue the earth and to be free. Instead, when we uh, live in these cities, uh, the, the vast majority of people start to think a certain way because subconsciously they're realizing that this is not a great place to grow. This is not a place to have a family. And so people tend towards leaning into the alternative sexual lifestyle, the anti-baby lifestyle, the anti-growth lifestyle, and then becoming debt slaves to hedonistic tendencies. And so uh, no wonder there's such a push uh, in terms of, oh, we're a democracy, right? Well, the United States is a, a democratic republic, but there's such a push towards the, the majority of people should decide what we do and when the majority of the people that are trying to push for different agendas in these extremely blue states and blue cities, uh, they tend to influence policies based on their surroundings and how they've been influenced by the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. and, and one thing that oftentimes we do is we offload responsibility to billionaires, right? Or towards <laughs> these big figureheads that promise to change the way the world is so here's a picture of uh, Lloyd uh Christmas. the dumber yeah the 
the dumber half of Dumb and Dumber, right? And he's saying, any day now, the good billionaires are going to save us from their friends. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's see if that's a, that's really what happens. Well, we got to be careful because sometimes these billionaires are set up to be Messiah-type figures, even for the conservative party, uh, conservative-minded folk. And uh, here's one example of how a billionaire plans to save us. Uh, you're meant to connect with this, but Mark Zuckerberg wants you to connect with the metaverse, right? Connect mm -hmm. online. And look at all these people, man. They're covered in these the brainwash. VR headsets. It's so crazy. Our technology is quickly moving towards this. And just think about the impact of AI rendering 3D models, chat, GT GPT, uh, all of these things make a false reality that can be interacted with and how we can interact with others even closer to something something that'll be a day-to-day -day feature of many people's lives in these big cities i mean if you're living in a box in a big city with no room to get out move of course you would want to enter into a whole new reality i mean think of the possibilities of course, people that live out in the country live out and are, are self-sustaining and understand you know, some of the more important qualities of life, they're not going to fall for that trap. However, it is really interesting. I don't know uh, if anybody watching has seen some of those old uh, Antichrist like rapture movies, but these headsets look very interestingly similar <laughs> to the same headset that, that people in a certain movie... I think it was uh, uh, Armageddon 3 or something. But anyway, I can't remember the name. It's a Christian, kind of a B-roll Christian movie. But the way that they all met the Antichrist was through VR. And they had headsets that looked almost identical to what we see here in this picture with Mark Zuckerberg. I know. It looks sci-fi, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks, it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. Uh, the religious man fashions a god he can handle. A small replica of himself. And so the world we make and the world we live and the things that we do represent in a lot of ways the God that we worship. And we always got to ask ourselves the question, are we worshiping ourselves? <laughs> are we worshiping what I want based on my actions, my thoughts and my deeds? Am I creating myself as a little idol? Or are we, you know, applying the book, the big book that actually matters, right? In terms of technology, we're seeing uh, a transformation. Check this out. It, it was hilarious. Uh, this is a picture of how technology has transitioned over the years. And we now literally have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right there in our pocket. And it, this is a great reminder. Everything in this picture is now in your pocket. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a radio. It's a camera. It's a CD player. It's a cassette. It's a typewriter. It's a calculator. Uh, yeah, what isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but if you look closely, it's also an FBI agent in your pocket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not just the guy holding the stuff and the stuff, it's the guy because they're monitoring everything we do. Oh, man. Man, this all has to do with what I'm going to do next week for history. I should have done it this week, but it's about the, the book 1984. I don't know if we're oh, going to be say really that. Interesting. Uh, so uh, that leads us to just this 
crazy tweet I read. It's from a guy named Harrison H. Smith with an anonymous picture. And it says this. Damn. So conspiracy theorists were right, huh? I'm talking, of course, about the Trump-Russia witch hunt and the redacted damage and masks and the effect of lockdowns and the COVID origin and Jeffrey Epstein and the JFK assassination and the misuse of the Patriot Act and the Iraq war and the war in Ukraine and the Nord Stream pipeline and the open border migrant caravans and the climate change scam and chemtrails and harp and 9-11 being an inside job and the Internet of Things surveillance grid and the PFAS and chemicals in the water turning everyone gay and the 2020 election <laughs> being stolen and J6 being filled with undercover feds and Bilderberg and Bohemian Grove and the global government, right? This, to me, sounds like the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So the conspiracy theorists were right, huh? Wow. So the apocalypse literally is here, just like I started out talking about. Uh, when you think of all these topics and how much vindication and truth has come to light over the years, it's, it's amazing. It's so interesting. And I know uh, this first video that we're going to show is a video I've showed in previous episodes. But check this out. It's how the X-Files got was spot on eight or ten years ago about the state of the world today uh, and how these conspiracies manifest. And I wonder either the show X-Files was under the control of one of these upper echelons of occultists and, and NWO types that wanted to kind of reveal the plans to us all as they pulled the wool over our eyes or uh, or it was a show put together by conspiracy theorists who turned out to be vindicated and right all along so check out this first clip Tad O'Malley has been making claims claims about what? You and everyone you know has a piece of DNA in your genome put there without your knowing it. Put there by whom? Well, that's the question of the day. This is an internet lunatic. You're not saying you believe him. Just hold on, Agent Einstein. You're talking to a scientist. Uh, forgive me, Assistant Director. It may sound insensitive, but the suggestion is pure science fiction. What I'm saying, Agent Einstein, is that the facts, as I understand them, cannot be discounted out of hand. No one has the right or the ability to tamper with your DNA. Unless we gave them that ability. When you say they're tampering with our DNA, that they're able to shut down our immune systems by the addition of something to our DNA. Yes, but I don't know how exactly. Or how it's being triggered. I don't know that either. Or why it's happening now. What can we possibly do? We need to act quickly. You were right about that. Well, I was wrong about the science. I was wrong about what's causing it. Dead wrong, in fact. But it's clearly a widespread failure of our immune systems. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. Oh, dang. We have to figure this out. What's wrong with the science? Okay. The Spartan virus removes the adenosine deaminase gene from your DNA. Removes the ADA gene and your immune system will simply vanish. Yeah, but I'm not getting sick. It's only a matter of time. Okay, so how does it work? How does the virus remove the ADA gene? A process called CRISPR-Cas9. CRISPR-Cas9, RNA and a protein cutting genes at exact locations. Exactly, but in this instance, used as a weapon. The ultimate weapon. 
the ability to depopulate the planet, to kill everyone but the chosen by tampering with their DNA. Through gene editing. Why do such a thing and lie about it? Our own government. Your own government lies as a matter of course, as a matter of policy. The Tuskegee experiments on black men in the 30s, Henrietta Lacks. What are they trying to do? That's the missing piece. But it's not hard to imagine a government hiding, hoarding technology for 70 years at the expense of human life and the future of the planet. Driven not only by corporate greed, but a darker objective. The takeover of America. And then the world itself, by any means necessary, however violent or cruel or efficient, by severe drought brought on by weather wars, conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves in a state of perpetual war to create problem, reaction, solution scenarios to distract, enrage, and enslave American citizens at home with tools like the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which abridge the Constitution in the name of national security. The militarization of police forces in cities across the U.S., the building of prison camps by the Federal Emergency Management Agency with no stated purpose, the corporate takeover of food and agriculture, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, even the military in clandestine agendas to fatten, dull, sicken, and control a populace already consumed by consumerism. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. A government that taps your phone, collects your data, and monitors your whereabouts with impunity. A government preparing to use that data against you when it strikes. And the final takeover begins. The takeover of America. By a well-oiled and well-armed multinational group of elites that will cull, kill, and subjugate. Happening as we sit here. It's happening all around us. The other shoe waiting to drop. It'll probably start on a Friday. The banks will announce a security action necessitating their computers to go offline all weekend. Digital money will disappear. They can just steal your money? Followed by the detonation of strategic electromagnetic pulse bombs to knock out major grids. Well, will seem like an attack on America by terrorists or Russia. An invasion of the U.S. The apocalypse, right? <laughs> and I've heard it said that some, some of the reason that a lot of this media in previous years would reveal some of these agendas is that's how they put the responsibility into your court and therefore the the obligation to leave the system to wake up to stop these things that are being done to you is the balls in your hands right because mm -hmm. if they just did all these evil things without our knowledge then the judgment of god i guess or or just the natural repercussions of Maybe a system that God has emplaced into reality uh, would be on their heads. They would be the ones that are on the hook for being so evil and pulling this all on us. However, when they tell you what they're doing and they say, hey, look, we're going to poison you. We're giving you poison. Then it's the person that takes the poison, knowing it's poison and eats it, that's responsible for their own death. It's not the person that sold them the poison in the first place. And that's the interesting twist and why the mainstream media seems to uh, share some of these agendas or, or, when they, or when they call out very obvious deceptions and people become aware of them. If they still participate in the system, they still take that pill of poison that they themselves asked for, bought, consumed 
then it's not on the head of the seller, which in this case is all the people perpetrating these agendas. And so it's a, it's just an interesting world we live in to see things like that. And, and in topic of uh, the redacted uh, experiment that redacted happened over the past few years and all of these redacted people who are willing to change their genome with mRNA technology, uh, I found this one uh, interesting. Uh, remember when having no symptoms was one of the symptoms? <laughs> this is the next level of brainwashing that we live in. And if you folded two years ago, if you folded to the various mandates and the levels of extremity that gradually increased, then you're going to fold the next iteration that comes down the chute. And that's what's so alarming and worrisome because so many people bowed down to the big golden calf they bowed down to the idol of babylon which is the man in the white lab coat whether it's the man in the white lab coat saying we're going to the moon or the man in the white lab coat saying i want to stick my needle into you right mm. if you bow down to these systems then you're more likely to fold and then they use things like this like no symptoms was one of the symptoms. It really, <laughs> any thinking person could see through this, but because of groupthink and the flocks and herds of people being ushered in one direction, people gave up their common sense and bought the lie because they didn't have a love for the truth. Is that verse in Second Thessalonians that you guys should consistently remind yourself of? If you don't have a love for the truth, you will buy a lie and be damned, right? And uh, I don't mean to get so heavy-handed there, but it, it's what the scripture warns us about. So this brings up this next topic uh, at Funeral Homes Conspiracy. Oh, Check no. out this video. Buying up all the funeral homes, too. Here's a list of funeral home companies. Biggest one, Vanguard, BlackRock. Carriage Services, BlackRock, Vanguard, and Ameriprise Finance, Inc. One of the biggest banks in the U.S., and it's a broker-dealer. And you guessed it, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street. Hill & Brand isn't exactly the funeral industry, but they have exposure to the funeral industry, and they are BlackRock and Vanguard as well. These guys sell caskets and funerary equipment. That's a big stake for BlackRock. And if we're going to do funerals and death, why don't we do hospice and end-of-life care? Here's some end-of-life stocks. Here's a few more. ChemEd Corp, Vanguard and BlackRock. Ensign Group, BlackRock and Vanguard. Encompass Health Corp, BlackRock, Vanguard. Amidisis, BlackRock, Vanguard. And it looks like LHC was acquired by United Health. And United Health Group, yep, Vanguard, BlackRock. I just wanna point out too, they hold a lot of shares in some of these companies. Um, that is a vastly larger stake than the next people at the table there. That means that they have a lot of sway over the boards of directors at these companies, the executives that get hired, the general culture. And even though these two firms both hold a shitload of shares for people that have mutual funds and index funds and such, those shares are voted by the fund managers at BlackRock and Vanguard, almost never by the actual individual investors. And that's where the real power to influence these companies <laughs> lies. Worst dad jokes ever. Um, but he does point out a good point that a lot of funeral homes are incorporated, 
but they keep their original names usually so no one notices because you don't want to go to a corporation for your funeral. So I wonder why BlackRock and Vanguard has so much stake in everybody dying. Why indeed. Yep. Crazy to think about. Why, why does such a big conglomerate company like BlackRock, which you can trace a lot of these conspiracies we've talked about back to the money that flows through that organization. Why are they so interested in funeral homes? Maybe they, I don't know. they, they know uh, why people are dying suddenly. Well, maybe. 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 It's possible. But something to keep aware of. But this is how they control the people who have big platforms, right? Through humiliation rituals and through uh, blackmail, pretty much. And this brings to mind, uh, you remember we were talking about uh, Will Smith months <laughs> back who, when he slapped Chris Rock in the Grammys. Uh, it here's a video of Will Smith talking about some conspiracies that he believes way back in the day before, of course, I think they got to him and shut his mouth and then made him go through the humiliation ritual that was this past year or two. Uh, check out this video of Will Smith's take on some conspiracies. I read that you felt that the government was deliberately spraying coal germs in subways was deliberately trying to make people ill with the AIDS virus. This is pretty serious stuff. Do you really feel that? Well, that's a good question. Well, I'm with Barbara Walters now. Oh, that's a serious one. Okay, so I got to now, because people are going to chase me after this. People are going to chase me. Um, I believe that it is quite highly possible that that the, the AIDS virus is a result of genetic warfare testing. By American agents? Absolutely. Will, why Am I a conspiracy theorist? I'm a conspiracy theorist, aren't I? Yeah. Wow. So you had, years, several years ago, Will Smith talking about some of his theories regarding regarding AIDS, for example. This is really interesting how we see the connection between Dr. Fauci and the AIDS epidemic and how the medicine that was given to the LGBTQ community was actually what was causing them to die. It was the medicine that caused the deaths and those who didn't take it, like Magic Johnson, for example, lived to a good old age, right? Yep. So uh, you have... Even here in this video, Will Smith talking about some of these conspiracies. Well, you don't hear him talking about this stuff very often anymore, you know? Yep, now and he's just slapping people. Think, now, now he's being humiliated and, and put into his place by very powerful people. And I think this is how those who have audiences, have these great followings, are actually controlled. And with the advent of the golden age of the internet that we've experienced over the past 10 years, we finally have a time where very popular people are, are not only curated by Hollywood, but people are getting popular on TikTok, on YouTube, through their, uh, through their independent 
music and independent films that they're releasing. And previously, you had to go through the proper channels to get the massive millions and millions of people audience that actors like Will Smith would have. Mm -hmm. But now, people who are less controlled are able to have a voice. And that's why I believe some of this information of the apocalypse is being unveiled. Yep. So let's watch this next video, which is uh, a more current event. Now, there, uh, here's a caveat. There's some people who are commenting thinking that this may be an AI-generated video. But the things that are mentioned in the video are, are very interesting. And it has to do with this topic of the recent bill that was being pushed through Biden and the Democratic Congress for the IRS to force everybody who receives more than $600 to report their income. Mm -hmm. And so it's on this topic, but it, it, it is interesting. I, now, keep in mind, I was not able to verify if this was a faked video or not, but if it's real, it's very compelling and important to pay attention to. And if it's fake, it's still saying a lot of true things. Check this video out. Whether it's um, $600 or $10,000, under this proposal, the intimate financial details of everyone in this room, of uh, at a minimum of every American who has a job, will be turned over on a daily basis to the IRS. What could possibly go wrong? Um, Republicans aren't perfect. But this stuff is crazy. Uh, President Xi would be proud. Now, Secretary Yellen, who's one of the leading proponents of this squid-brained idea, says we need to do it to catch rich tax cheats. She knows better than that. Why throw the net so wide? This proposal, like a lot of proposals in my Democratic friend's bill, is not about public policy and it's not about taxes. It's about control. There are too many people in charge right now in Washington, D.C who just don't trust Americans to know what's best for themselves. They just don't trust Americans to make decisions for themselves. Their attitude seems to be, um, do what you're told. Just do what you're told. And if you do that, we might let you eat meat occasionally. Um, this is another step in that direction. And I hope my Democratic friends uh, rethink this idea. Well, it's hard to um, improve on what Senator Kennedy d just said, but I'm, I'm going to do my best to at least add to it. Obviously, I've heard from bankers, community bankers and credit union presidents who are concerned about this. But I have literally heard from thousands, thousands of North Dakotans who bank with great concern and in many cases it's a phone call from somebody who just wants to know if it's true and and if, if it's true do I know about it uh, they, they're so frightened for very good reasons for all the reasons you've heard I mean they, we are talking about some of the most private of information 
being shared, turning bank presidents, bankers, community bankers, credit union uh, lenders and, and tellers into spies for the IRS. It, it, it's, it sends shivers. But here's what, I, what bothers me so much. It, it shouldn't, you know, it should surprise us, but it doesn't, that this administration, who, who is, has gone from incremental steps towards socialism to vast leaps to socialism. I mean, Marx is on our doorstep right now. It shouldn't surprise us that they've got the boldness to do this. But here's what bothers me as much as anything. This proposal is built on the premise that there are a bunch of guilty people out there. There's a presumption of guilt. Why else would you need more agents to go after people that, that, that buy a car? And that's bothersome. The premise of that in our free system is bothersome to me. But I think one of the craziest parts of the whole thing, even if for a moment you were going to buy into the notion that there are a whole bunch of people not paying their fair share. That's the other word. I came from the same banking hearing that's, that several of the others came from. Billionaires just aren't paying their fair share. So we have to get all of the transaction information from everybody because they're not paying their fair share. This proposal doesn't even accomplish what they claim they want to accomplish by the proposal. So what is the real motive? I think it gets back to that, what I said earlier. They've always been about incremental steps toward socialism, and now they've decided to take a great big leap while they hold all three levers of power in this town. And we, as Republicans, will do everything we can to stop them. Thank you. Before we throw it open for questions, I just want to make uh, two other points that my colleagues have prompted me to think about. Uh, first of all, we got some information from the uh, Treasury Department today, which you probably all got too, saying, well, wait a minute, we're not going to audit anybody who makes less than $400,000. I think they sent that out because they heard we were having this press conference. Um, but that's all they did. They just said, well, we're not going to, we're not going to go after anybody who makes less than $400,000. Well, the Green Book, which lays out this proposal, in addition to the details you've already heard about, says very specifically that the Secretary, meaning the Secretary of Treasury, will be given broad authority to issue regulations necessary to implement this proposal, which says that the IRS will be given broad rulemaking authority to get the data it wants. Now, the IRS, in the very thing they sent out today, trying to say, well, we aren't going to go after anybody who makes less than $400,000, also said, you know, we already have the uh, paycheck information on folks, and we already have the interest income information on folks, but we need the rest. That's the point of all this. Why did they start out at $600? That's not to get the wealthy. That's to get everybody. It's to create a total dragnet. And I just want to conclude with the data that uh, Senator Thune referenced generally. If you just, we asked joint tax to look at this and tell us what the distributional effect of raising all these hundreds of billions of dollars that this proposal proposes to do is. And joint tax said, you know, they haven't even put out enough details for us to give you a specific answer. But if you look at the tax code and see where it is that there is the available money that's not being reported, it's primarily in Schedule C and Schedule E. That picks up all small businesses, 
all individuals, everybody. And so they said, we will analyze the tax gap in schedules C and E and tell you where it looks like the lost revenue is to be found. And when they did that, they found that it was mostly in those making less than $500,000. Uh, over 50% of it is those making less than $50,000. Another 21%, I got to get my glasses out here. Another 21% is those making between 50 and $100,000. Another 12% is those making between $100 and $2,000. And another 6% is those making $200 to $500,000. And when you get to those making 500, not 400, but $500,000 or more, that only accounts for 4% to 9% of the expected recoveries that can come from, from analyzing these schedules. So I don't know what the IRS is trying to say here, but you know if they are really not going to go after those who make less than $400,000, then why don't they? instead of saying, well, we'll raise the limit to $1,000 for everybody, why don't they just put a ban in there that bans the IRS from snooping in the accounts of people who make less than $400,000? That's a question I think that should be asked of the sponsors of this approach. Anyway, this is in regards to that recent discussion of the IRS tracking those who are not reporting income of $600 or more and it reminds me of when I talked to my tax lady when we filed taxes this year, and she's like, yeah, did you know that they were asking the IRS agents that they were hiring, you know, the 80 plus thousand new IRS agents that this government wanted to hire, if they would be willing to carry firearms? And <laughs> previously there was only like a thousand IRS agents that would actually use firearms and carry firearms on their person but now that's expanding and being asked to the 80 plus thousand IRS agents if they're willing to carry firearms. And I wonder if it's to enforce some of these draconian uh, tax issues. And it's interesting because people are much more willing to acquiesce to your request if you have a gun to the face, right? <laughs> and yep. it's a... Uh, it's an interesting topic, so I just wanted to share that video there. And this leads into the very important topic of how is control really going to be enacted in the coming years? Because right now, it's really hard for the government to track paper transactions. However, with a central, central bank digital currency, the whole world will be able to be traced. So let's check out this video of DeSantis in Florida banning central bank digital currencies and some of the statements he makes about it, which are very telling, showing how some states are bowing down to the central bank digital currency premise and some states are standing up and banning them, but all of them would have to give in to a congressional declaration if that ever came to be. So check out this video of DeSantis on CBDC being banned in Florida. Well, we got a, a motley crew with us here today. Um, we've got, of course, our uh, Senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo from uh, nearby. So your Senator John Martin, 
And then we've got uh, a lot of the representatives, Persons Malika, Botana, Snyder, Esposito, and Gia Lombardo. Uh, so I want to thank all of them for what they did in really a historic legislative session. I don't think that there's ever been anything uh, that has quite matched that in terms of the uh, major reforms that were, that were passed and really the breadth of the things that were tackled. And this today is what we're talking about is a good, I, good example of kind of the posture about you know, we're on offense in the state of Florida. We're leading, we're getting ahead of issues, um, and we're making sure that uh, your freedoms are protected against threats that are, may not even necessarily be here right now, but are, but are developing. And so that is, I think, the hallmark uh, of good, uh, good leadership. Uh, Commissioner of Agriculture Wilton Simpson is here, and he'll be saying a few words. Uh, then we're joined by Samantha Beeler, President of the League of Southeastern Credit Unions. Taryn Bragdon is the founder and CEO for the Foundation of Government Accountability. Matt Kennedy, owner of the Alamo Range Naples, uh, and Shirley Wattrall for Women for Gun Rights. So you're going to hear from, from them as well. Uh, part of the reason that we're here today is because we want to protect your financial independence. We want to protect your financial privacy. And you've seen over the last however many years, particularly with things like COVID, you've seen governments really crack down on people's ability to exercise their, their basic rights. If you remember when the truckers in Canada were protesting those draconian <laughs> mandates, uh, they were raising money, they were doing things. People were getting their bank accounts frozen. The, the charities were getting, were getting frozen. And uh, that was done by, by the Canadian government. And so you see this is the type of power that some of these governments uh, want to exercise. Now, we've always thought, hey, that could never happen in America. Uh, but I think we've seen over the last few years just how fragile the freedoms are. And I think you see there's a lot of people gunning for freedom here in the United States because it conflicts with their ideology. So some of the things that we've done, of course, we signed legislation a couple weeks ago, kneecapping this idea of ESG in the state of Florida. They call it environment social governance. In reality, that's just a facade for using the private sector to enact a political left-wing agenda. And they want to go after things like uh, domestic energy production, they want to go after Second Amendment rights, people involved in the firearm industry, and on and on down the line. And that's being done without any voters actually weighing in on it. These people aren't elected to anything, uh, but they're really uh, colluding to try to change policy and to try to change society. Uh, and we think that that's wrong. We think things like doing social credit scores for Floridians is wrong. If you go to a bank and you want to get a loan on something, they should evaluate your credit history, just like they've always done, to add into that some type of political litmus test or ideological litmus test, or to penalize you because you own firearms or you're, you're uh, involved in, in that industry. That's just fundamentally wrong. And so our bill, uh, the law that's now been signed, protects Floridians against discrimination, uh, protects you against things like social credit scores, make sure our pension fund is not being manipulated by ESG criteria. I mean, we've got retired cops, we've got retired teachers. Uh, they should be, that pension should be run to get the best return on the investment, not to try to impose a political agenda with their money. And so we think that those are very good, but at the end of the day, Things like ESG and what they're doing in, um, in some, with some of these asset managers, what they're doing with some of the large Wall Street banks and other corporations, 
they're trying to change the country without accountability, and that's wrong. So basically what we've said is no social or economic transformation without representation. You have a right to pass judgment on policy, and our ESG bill is really fighting back against that. So that's a major piece. Another piece that started to develop is the idea of creating what they call a central bank digital currency. And this is something that Joe Biden announced, uh, I think, last year to say, hey, we need to study this. Uh, we need to see what would happen with C CBDC, how that would work. And um, I don't think they would have done that if they don't intend on, on in implementing this. And so basically what it would be is this would be something that would be controlled by, like, the Fed. Uh, it would be a, a digital, quote, unquote, digital dollar. I think they want to crowd out and eliminate other other types of digital assets like cryptocurrency because they can't control that, so they don't like that. Uh, once they then have the ability uh, to run a central bank digital currency, uh, they're going to be able to have the window into what you're doing uh, with, with the money. They're going to have the ability to control uh, where that money is going. They could block. Uh, if you filled up your, your gas tank too much, hey, they're fighting global warming. You can't, you can't do any more. Maybe you bought a firearm last week. They don't want you to buy another one this week. Uh, so that would empower the government to do, I think, a, a lot of things that would not be conducive to freedom. Now, people will say, oh, well, they're, they're not going to do that. That's not what they want to do. They just want to, you know, make it more efficient to do, like, cross-border, all this other stuff. And, um, you know, yeah, maybe that's what they'll say. Uh, but I think that anyone with their eyes open could see the dangers that this type of an arrangement would mean for Americans who want to exercise their financial independence and would like to be able to con conduct business without having the government know every single transaction that they're making in real time. And um, sometimes government will do things where they provide kind of a benevolent rationale for what they're doing, but it's really nothing more than a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, I think with central bank digital currency, this is a wolf coming as a wolf. Uh, this is something that will be a massive transfer of power from individual consumers uh, to a central authority. And that's just fundamentally antithetical to a free society. Now, why are we doing this? If Biden's just studying it, why, why would we want to get involved in Florida? Well, I think what, what's happened is you started to have a movement among the states to actually add CBDC to their uniform commercial codes. And this was something that was pushed by a lot of powers that be, uh, that you do that. Uh, we looked at that and said, that ain't going to fly in Florida. We are not going to be adding central bank digital currency to our uniform commercial code. But we also said, you know what, we need to provide protections for Floridians against this. And so we'll put in the uniform commercial code that it's something we don't recognize. And the reason why we're doing that is because I think central bank digital currency is wrong. Congress probably does have the authority to authorize it if they wanted to. I don't think they will. But what the Fed has said is, well, you know, we're going to consult with Congress. We're going to consult with the executive branch before we do anything with respect to CBDC. Um, and ideally, we would get authorization from Congress. Well, the U.S. Constitution is not just a suggestion. It's not ideally that you get legislative sanction for something like that. You are required to get Congress to authorize something like that. And if Congress were to do it, 
that probably would trump what we're about to sign today. But if they do it with by executive fiat, uh, without having any legislative authorization, we believe that this uh, protection here uh, will serve as an important bulwark against really what would be, I think, an illegitimate use of, of, of federal government power. And you see it everywhere now. We don't even, they don't vote on any of this stuff. You have a massive out of control bureaucracy and they will just issue 600 page rules that transform our economy or transform our society. They just did one, the EPA put one out uh, about uh, coal and natural gas fired uh, power plants. And nobody voted on that, they just did it. You see some of the stuff they're doing with home lending. They're actually making it harder for people that have good credit and they're basically charging them more to pay for people that have poor credit. I mean, that's social engineering, it's bad economics, but it was never approved by the people's representatives. And so we have a bureaucracy that thinks it can do what it wants. And if we let this continue, these elections are basically window dressing at that point because you have a Leviathan that just keeps churning out whatever it sees fit. So we're fighting back against that in Florida. We have fought back against it across, across a wide variety of fronts. I mean, you remember in 2021, they were trying to coerce people to take the MNRA COVID shots. And they said for nurses under CMS, you have to do this, otherwise you can't work. And Congress never enacted that. There was never any debate on that. They just did it. So we came in and said, no, that's not correct. State of Florida, you, this is a choice for you. You can't lose your job over it. They said, well, we're gonna do it anyways, but they relied on Florida to survey the hospitals to see. And we said, we're not gonna survey our hospitals. Okay, we're gonna protect the people's jobs. And they fined us um, you know, a couple million dollars, but we saved thousands and thousands of jobs in the process. So we've been fighting back a lot on this, uh, but it's a massive distortion of what a constitutional system of government is supposed to be. And I'm just glad that we're thinking ahead here in the state of Florida, because once this genie is out of the bottle, I think it'd be very hard uh, to put back in. You know, the cash is king. Like when you have that, uh, you control your own destiny. If you're relying on some digital system and you have no other recourse and it's controlled by a central authority, you know, you're, you're, you're putting your, uh, your independence in their hands. And I don't think we want to do that. And I think, I think back to just like, the need to be empowered individually when like Hurricane Ian hit. You know, the power goes out, okay. You know, some people that had electric vehicles and it's whatever you want, do, but you know, how do you plug that in if the power's not? Whereas you, know, you have your own uh, tank of gas with a normal car, you control the destiny. You can put the gas in, you can go. You have cash, you can go make transactions if some of the systems aren't, aren't up and running. So making sure individuals are empowered is something that's very, very important. So I'm proud that we're gonna be able to sign this protection in the law for the people of Florida. Uh, we do not wanna see any uh, central bank digital currency, but we certainly reject any attempt to do that by executive fiat uh, without the members of Congress actually having to go on the record and vote for it. The other thing that we're doing is looking at other ways that this agenda can impact individual Floridians. And so there's been a movement amongst massive credit card companies to basically monitor the transaction of firearm retailers and individual consumers through unique codes that they're calling merchant category codes or MCCs for short. And so this is a new code 
It only applies to either retailers that sell firearms or consumers that purchase, and it's not even really limited to that because, as you know, there are sporting goods stores that sell firearms. They also sell a bunch of other stuff. You could be going just buying uh, you know, sporting goods for your kids' uh, uh, athletics. And, oh, by the way, our tax relief, which we'll be announcing, you, know, you have no tax on youth sports equipment for, for next year, which would be really, really good starting uh, J July 1st. So you go in and do that. They can tag you or flag you as being somebody that somehow uh, should, be, should be looked at. And, and that's just fundamentally wrong. So we believe that whole idea of MCCs is very political. Uh, we think it's going to be used against people uh, just for exercising their basic uh, constitutional rights. And so you had um, a movement in the legislature. You had Commissioner Simpson. A lot of people uh, understood this. And, and I said I'm very supportive of making sure that this is not uh, allowed in the state of Florida. So the second bill we'll sign uh, will prohibit the use of firearm-specific MCC codes and will be the first state in the country uh, to step up to the plate and prohibit these massive financial institutions uh, from uh, collecting data on you, flagging you, just for basically exercising your right. I mean, if you go and buy ammunition uh, for, for your firearms, then you go to one of these, uh, these shooting ranges, should you be flagged for doing that? Uh, I don't think so. So in the state of Florida, you will not be flagged for doing it. So these are really important measures. I think that we're leading the country again. I think you're going to see other states follow through. I know some of the states are going to do the central bank digital currency. Some of them rejected the UCC addition to it, and so they're kind of neutral, which is still, still good. But we're going one step further, and we're permanently leaning in against and saying this is not something that's going to fly in Florida. And I do think you're going to see other states look to this whole idea of these MCC codes. And look, this is one issue that would affect you know, a relatively narrow slice of retailers. Uh, it will affect a decent number of consumers. But what precedent is this setting that we're going to have all these major financial institutions colluding to try to flag people they don't like for doing things that are perfectly legal and constitutional? You know, it's one thing to flag somebody's like dealing drugs or something where, you know, to assist with, with that. But, but this is really, uh, I, I think, again, a, an attempt to change policy. So DeSantis coming out talking about CBDCs and the dangers therein and uh, some good things to say there. What do you think, Jeremiah? I agree. Good things. I hope Texas follows, I guess. <laughs> I don't know much about yeah. <laughs> the, the digital stuff. I, I, I tried crypto recently. And uh, I'm not good. <laughs> so, yes, it's uh, it's interesting. And and this next video I'm going to show is in regards to the XRP crypto, which has been in legal trouble for several years, and it's one of the likely candidates for this big CBDC to run off of the Ripple technology. And it's really interesting. They're coming to some clarification in the court case soon. And they may be the only cryptocurrency that has SEC clarification on how they are to be treated, uh, which would give them enormous room for growth and use. And the technology is already in use with many major banks in, across the world because it allows funds to be transferred extremely fast 
and so this topic of uh, Ripple uh, is uh, important because it is one of the likely candidates for being that cryptocurrency that could become the one world type cryptocurrency. So let's check out this next video. Well, let's jump into the video and we just got some massive news that Judge Torres denied the SEC's motion to seal the Bill Hinman documents in her summary judgment ruling. Now this was completely unexpected. Almost every single expert out there predicted that Judge Torres was just going to release her summary judgment motion and in that motion either the Hinman emails were going to be sealed or they were going to be unsealed and that was how we were going to find out whether or not the public would ever get to see the Hinman documents. But Judge Torres just did something extremely fascinating. Rather than just releasing her summary judgment ruling with the Hinman emails sealed or unsealed, she just put out a specific ruling regarding these emails and she ruled that the SEC will not be allowed to seal the Hinman documents. Now obviously this is a massive win for Ripple. This is something Ripple has been fighting for for a very long time and Ripple has actually commented on these Hinman emails before. Brad Garlinghouse specifically said, the SEC wants you to think that it cares about disclosure, transparency, and clarity, don't believe them. When the truth eventually comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior here will shock you. The SEC can't appeal settlement. If the SEC comes out and admits XRP and the secondary market is not a security, that is the best win Ripple can get. If the SEC and Ripple settle this case, you can take all that trial talk, all that Supreme Court talk completely off the table. The case is over, XRP will never be a security, and that issue will never come back again. Well, the SEC could settle this case. If the SEC settles this case with Ripple, they can tell Ripple, hey, you have to pay a fine for early sales because those early sales were securities transactions. And Ripple can say, okay, that's fine, as long as you say XRP today is not a security. And boom, it's a win-win. Ripple gets clarity for XRP going forward. The SEC doesn't have to hand over the Bill Hinton Ethereum documents, so they both got their big win there. But what else does the SEC get? The SEC gets the fact that, hey, Going forward, they can go after other projects and say, oh, well, Ripple actually admitted they sold securities here, so you have to come in and register. You have to come in and register. And that's a huge win for the SEC. It actually gives them a win in this case, and all they have to do is accept the fact that, hey, XRP is not a security. Yes, that might seem like a big loss for the SEC, but there's 20,000 other tokens out there. It makes no sense why they would care so much about XRP when they can go and wreak havoc on the rest of the industry. And don't get me wrong, I don't want that to happen at all. But the SEC is going to have to get something out of it, and I have a feeling that is the best thing they're going to get out of this. So with all that said, I think a settlement makes a ton of sense from both sides. And prior to this happening, I just didn't think it was going to happen. It was taking way too long, the parties were already waiting for summary judgment, and there was no new incentive. But this is the new incentive, and this is absolutely massive. So I know that's a lot of crypto jargon, and unless you're following the whole topic of XRP and the court case, and why is this significant is probably what's coming to your mind. Well, the significance of it is this, is that there's a lot of power and money moving back and forth as this topic of cryptocurrencies has come to the forefront of politicians minds right this is something that joe biden was like oh i want to study into cbdc's and and uh, we saw that video with desantis warning about the dangers of cbdc's well this sec lawsuit against ripple 
regarding the XRP cryptocurrency is one of those red flag herring type events that if you pay attention to it, you can kind of see how the waters are going to be turning out in the next year or two. And whenever a decision is reached, this will signify whether the SEC is going to be completely collapsing the independent cryptocurrency market, making way for a CBDC. You're going to see uh, what it means for a cryptocurrency to be declared a security or a current, you know, it, it, there's all this competition right now between the US dollar and cryptocurrencies and the people with the money and the power want to bring it all under their umbrella. And that's where the CBDC comes in. And so while it was a lot of jargon, as soon as a decision is made in that landmark, very important cryptocurrency court case, you're going to see changes in the world. So that's why I'm sharing that video with you guys. And uh, it's, it's very significant to see the implementation of this monetary technology in our world today and how quickly it's advancing. Mm -hmm. And for our last video, here's a quick uh, a vid from Tim Cast on the uh, debate Donald Trump had on CNN and some of the statements he made about Ukraine and the United States. Check this out. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. Yes! <laughs> Russians and Not making dying. himself look good here. Stop <laughs> And I'll have that done. I'll but, have but that team, done in 24 hours. What team hours. are you on? And you need the power of the presidency to do it. But you but, won't say that you want Ukraine to win. Oh, you come know on. what I'll say? I'll say, you say I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for 20 billion. We're in for 170, but and they should an be. And they should, should equalize. The they have he plenty of money. Also, they should equalize. I got with NATO. But I sat down. I got them to put up hundreds of billions of dollars that they weren't paying under Obama and Bush. And all of these other presidents, that's why they're, they're able to help them fight the war because of the money I got. But, but I let's want talk Europe. About what's to, happening in Ukraine, excuse me, Mr. I want Europe to put up more money <laughs> oh because they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of jerks. We're spending oh, $170 billion for faraway land, and they're right next door to that land, and they're in for 20. Wow. <laughs> One of the reasons I shared that is. That number, $170 billion on a faraway land, really puts in perspective where our government's interests are and what their agendas are. And when you think about that, it's infuriating to think about how much $170 billion could have impacted American infrastructure mm -hmm. and impacted the cities in the east west coast that are collapsing and and. The, just all kinds of things that $170 billion could have been spent on here in the United States, and yet we're sending it over to have Ukrainians die for LGBTQ rights, which mm. is like, oh my goodness, man. It, like when you think about just how we are fighting this proxy war in Ukraine, how corrupt this whole topic of, yeah, hoorah, blue, yellow, and and understanding where it's all leading it, it's very telling and man i i uh I, what did you think about that debate there jeremiah you probably saw that i i loved it because he was the good old trump that we saw in the hillary debate you know he was 
pretty much schooling everything she said and stating facts. I mean, he did a really good job. The answer that I liked was he said, people, people need to stop dying. He wasn't one way or the other, and the media, of course, tried to turn that around on him, but he doesn't want anybody to die if he was president. And I think he could, like he said, he could make the war stop because he has relationships with both parties. But, you know, got to reelect him, in my opinion. I just find it interesting that CNN gave him this platform, the person that they lab label a dangerous, insightful. Well, because the ratings go up. They need exactly. ratings. Exactly. It's so telling. They, they prop this lady up there to debate and, and act like she's really sticking it to him. But the truth is, is they wanted Trump to do exactly what he did because th that debate on CNN probably brought them more viewers than they've had in, since he left office. <laughs> yep, absolutely. You want to say something? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey guys, I'd like to circle back around to uh, – the topic of the VR and the AI that you uh, brought up, Jake, at the beginning of uh, the news. Uh, Rob was working on a, on a potential movie many years ago that kind of warned about controlled, and it was called Protean Fields. And uh, I was looking around and I did find the trailer that Rob had put together for this, and I think it's very interesting to watch it. So. Uh, let me play this never video. before seen and there's some cameos in this actually so. That's exactly right so I want to play this right. uh, I want to play this trailer for you and, and then you could discuss whether this uh, has any uh, force foreseen uh, implications you know you're on top of the world right now aren't you yeah you know I didn't think this day would ever come all that hard work, it's about to pay off big, honey. I'm so proud of you. I always knew you could do it. You're not living, man. I mean, this virtual reality crap? It's keeping you locked up. Come on, man, let's, let's get out of here. Get your mind off of this. Virtual mind reality, or VMR. With the VMR device such as this, we can literally program our soldiers to do just about anything. This is because everything is vibration. Once you understand that, it's just a matter of identifying the frequencies. Because frequencies can always be modified, amplified, and distributed. We have before us the opportunity to forge a new world order. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Forget about all these politics, all this election nonsense. We live in a fallen world, people. Our fight is not against man, but against principalities and power. Spiritual wickedness in high places. This looks so real. 
Gavin, you've got to try this. He's in a coma. They say he might never come out. Every day, more and more people are tapping into the field. Everything's going precisely as planned. The Army General, who has never flown a jet before in his life, was literally being programmed with the experience of air-to-air -air combat right before your eyes. Hey, man. I want to know what the thing did to my son. Look, trust me. I want to get to the bottom of this as bad as you do. Why are these kids dead? What do you know about MK Ultra? MK Delta, Operation Paperclip, Project Bluebird. What kind of investigator are you? You might want to consider some protection. What do I need protection for? I'm not going to be playing this game. It's only a matter of time before they're not going to need video games to do what they're doing. And what you've seen here is just the beginning. What are your thoughts about that? Wow, man, that's that's crazy. That, now, did he ever finish that? Did that film ever come out, or was that just a trailer concept, or how how did it go? It was just a concept, I think. He was. They were working on it for a long time, but it. I don't know why they didn't do it, but it's so crazy, like the the virtual reality glasses, and I mean, you could see. I, I was in there. Opa was in there. Did you notice us? You probably didn't. Uh, if you, if uh, yeah, didn't even notice it. Opa was the general guy who was doing this, flying the plane, and uh, me and my cousin had the glasses on. And we were like zoned out, <laughs> so he filmed us doing that. And uh, I think he has the whole script written, but uh, just never got around to uh, going into it because of cost. And then I think he started working on Seed right after that. So you could tell because at the end the font. Is the same font as seed. That's awesome, man. That, and that, that has is really cool. That has a lot to do with what what my first thing in history is too. So that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Opa. Thank you, Jake, for the great current news as always. And uh, now, a word from our friend JJ. Now, a word from our sponsor. Now, personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. As always, thank you, JJ. Now, uh, I think it's about that time. It's time for an all-new Opus Corner. Take it away, Opa. Outtake. The following presentation may contain too many cat jokes. Viewer discretion is advised. This presentation is rated CJ, cat jokes. Parental guidance suggested.
It's time for Opa's Corner now. Do da, do da. I was in a long queue at a drive-through this morning, and a young lady behind me leaned on her horn because I was taking too long to place my order. Take the high road, I thought to myself. So, when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with my own. The cashier must have told her what I had done, because as we moved up, she leaned out of her window and waved to me and mouthed, Thank you, embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed them both receipts and took her food too. Now she has to go back to the end of the line and start over. Don't honk your horn at old fogies like me. <laughs> A man was walking alone one late foggy night when behind him he hears bump, bump, bump. Walking faster, he looks back and through the fog he makes out the image of an upright casket banging its way down the middle of the street toward him. Bump! 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 Terrified, the man begins to run toward his home, the casket bouncing quickly behind him. Faster! Faster! Bump! 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 He runs up to his door, fumbles with his keys, opens the door, rushes in, slams and locks the door behind him. However, the casket crashes through his door with the lid of the casket clapping. Clappity bump, clappity bump, clappity bump. The terrified man runs. Rushing upstairs to the bathroom, the man locks himself in. His heart pounding, his head reeling, his breath coming in gasps. With a loud crash, the casket breaks down the door, bumping and clapping toward him. The man screams and reaches for something, anything, but all he could find is a bottle of cough syrup. Desperate, he throws the cough syrup at the casket and the coffin stops. <laughs> An atheist was walking through the woods. What majestic trees! What powerful rivers! What beautiful animals, he said to himself. As we, he was walking alongside the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. He turned to look. He saw a seven-foot grizzly bear charging toward him. He ran as fast as he could up the path. He looked over his shoulder and saw that the bear was coming in on him. He looked over his shoulder again and the bear was even closer. He tripped and fell on the ground. He rolled over to pick himself up, but saw that the bear was right on top of him, reaching for him with his left paw and raising his right paw to strike him. And at that instance, the atheist cried out, Oh my God! Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. 
as a bright light shone upon the man, a voice came out of the sky. You deny my existence for all these years. Teach others that I don't exist and even credit creation to the cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light. It would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to treat me as a Christian now, but perhaps you can make the bear a Christian. Very well, said the voice. The light went out, the sounds of the forest resumed, and the bear dropped his right paw, brought both paws together, bowed his head and spoke. Lord, bless this food which I am about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs> it was autumn, and the Indians on the remote reservation asked their new chief if the winter was going to be cold or mild. Since he was an Indian chief in a modern society, he had never been taught the old secrets. When he looked at the sky, he couldn't tell what the weather was going to be. Nevertheless, to be on the safe side, he replied to his tribe that the winter was indeed going to be cold and that the members of the village should collect firewood to be prepared. Also, being a practical leader, he got an idea. He went to the phone booth, called the National Weather Service, and asked, is the coming winter going to be cold? Looks like this winter is going to be quite cold indeed, the meteorologists responded. So the chief went back to his people and told them to collect even more wood in order to be prepared. A week later, he called the National Weather Service again. Is it going to be a very cold winter? Yes, the meteorologist replied. It's definitely going to be a very cold winter. The chief again went back to his people and ordered them to collect every scrap of wood they could find. Two weeks later, he called the National Weather Service again. Are you absolutely sure the winter is going to be very cold? Absolutely, the meteorologist replied. It's going to be one of the coldest winters ever. How can you be so sure, the chief asked. The meteorologist replied, because the Indians are collecting wood like crazy. <laughs> a bear is chasing a squirrel of the woods. They cross a river when all of a sudden, the river genie appears. Well, all right, two customers. I don't know who triggered this whole thing, so let me give you both three wishes. Bear, you start since you're bigger. The bear thinks for a moment. He smiles. Okay, I want all the other bears in this forest to be females. The genie grants the wish, turns to the squirrel. The squirrel thinks. He looks up to the genie. I want a motorcycle. 
The bear shakes his head. Squirrel, you don't know how to wish. The genie then asks the bear for his second wish. The bear responds. All right, I want all the other bears in the country to be females. The genie grants the wish. The genie turns to the squirrel. How about it? The squirrel responds. Give me a motorcycle helmet. The bear shakes his head again. What's wrong with you? The genie then turns once more to the bear and asks for his final wish. You know what? I want all the other bears in the world to be female. The genie grants his wish and then turns to the squirrel. The squirrel grabs his helmet, puts it on. He then walks to the motorcycle, gets on it. He starts it, runs the engine a little, and as he rides away, not looking back, he yells, I want the bear to be gay! <laughs> Dave was bragging to his boss one day. You know, I know everyone there is to know. Just name someone, anyone, and I know them. Tired of his boasting, his boss called his bluff. Okay, Dave, how about Tom Cruise? <laughs> no dramas, boss. Tom and I are old friends and I can prove it. So Dave and his boss fly out to Hollywood and knock on Tom Cruise's door. And Tom Cruise shouts, Dave, what's happening? Great to see you. Come on in for a beer. Although impressed, Dave's boss still is a little skeptical. After they leave Cruz's house, he tells Dave that he thinks knowing him was just lucky. No, no, just name anyone else. President Trump, his boss quickly retorts. Yep, old buddies, let's fly out to Florida. And off they go. At the resort, Trump spots Dave and motions him and his boss over, saying, Dave, what a surprise! I was just on my way to play some golf, but you and your friend can come on in. Let's have a beer first and catch up. Well, the boss is very shaken by now, but still not totally convinced. After they leave the resort, he expresses his doubt to Dave and again implores him to name anyone else. Pope Francis, his boss replies. Sure, says Dave, I know the Pope for years. So off they fly to Rome. Dave and his boss are assembled with the masses at the Vatican's St. Peter's Square. When Dave says, this will never work. I can't catch the Pope's eye among all these people. Tell you what, I know all the guards, so they'll let me just go upstairs and I'll come out on the balcony with the Pope. He disappears into the crowd headed towards the Vatican. Sure enough, half an hour later, Dave emerges with the Pope on the balcony. But by the time Dave returns, he finds that his boss had a heart attack and is surrounded by paramedics. 
Making his way to his boss's side, Dave asks him, What happened? His boss looks up and says, It was a final straw. You and the Pope came out onto the balcony, and the man next to me said, Who in the world is that on the balcony with Dave? <laughs> so now it's time for the funnies. <laughs> this isn't mine. I ordered a large cheese with everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> At first, there were only 25 letters in the alphabet. Nobody knew why. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I were a feral cat. Running wild and living free, surviving by my wits. That's the life for me. Yes, I really missed my calling in life. Hey, is this tap water? <laughs> Today, our guest lecturer is Dr. Clarence Tibbs whose 20-year career has culminated in his recent autobiography, Zoo Vet, I Quit. <laughs> By secretly working out for many months, Irwin became the envy of all 98-pound weaklings. <gasps> Look, 99! <99. laughs> Suddenly, the living room was flooded with light and the angry sounds of an engine being revved. And everyone knew the cat was back. <laughs> it's either another barrel of wine or the unicorns, Noah. There isn't enough room for both, so choose wisely. <laughs> Sprinkles in your butt? I did not think this through. <laughs> so, George says, I'm going over there and telling that guy to shut that equipment off. So I said, George, that guy's a mad scientist. Call the cops. Don't go over there alone. Well, you know what George did. <laughs> Life in the old whip. General, General, the Indians caught me and cut out my hung. You lucky they just hooked your hung, Sergeant. Yo, get no sympathy from me. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Is it still there? <laughs> hey, did you ever notice that your pincushion looks exactly like me? Weird. This condo is out of your price range. Can I interest you in a box it came in? Oh, that sounds delightful. <laughs> oh no, beans again? Well, I guess it shouldn't matter too much in this family. <laughs> At the Apids. Long day at the plant, dear? You better believe it. I must have eaten 30 rose petals today. <laughs> After being frozen in ice for 10,000 years, Thang promotes his autobiography. Autograph party meets the author. It was very cold, and I couldn't move. <laughs> For sale. And I can honestly say the seller is highly motivated. Lulu said the secret to happiness is to live in the present. Uh. <laughs> and never think outside the box. Excuse me, I ordered a dozen bees, but you gave me 13. That's a freebie. <laughs> She's a keeper. Great. He forgot his lines again. <laughs> Mom, we hired a few people to fill in for you while you relax on Mother's Day. Hey, sexy. Looks like it's going to be you and me to repopulate the Earth with unicorns, huh? By the way, I'm Greg. What's your name, sweetheart? Arnold. <laughs> uh... Clyde, you you know this is a video conference, right? <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> oh, you want your diploma? Sorry, the dog ate it. Not <laughs> so funny now, is it? 
Morning in the Crypt. Hey, you kids, settle down and eat your breakfast and stop putting curses on each other. Snakes, the snakes of war. Okay, you guys. If we're gonna take that hill, we'll have to do it an inch at a time, flat on our bellies, wiggling through the mud. Think you morons can handle that? <laughs> because they put up with people their entire life, that's why they get a free pass. <laughs> Lucky we haven't had any computer problems, so we hadn't needed to break the glass yet. <laughs> break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> Suddenly, the burglars found themselves looking down the barrel of Andy Dubiomatic. <laughs> I am your cat. <laughs> And that concludes an Opa's Corner for this week. My hoot, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. I think that deserves an applause. Take a bow. It's a little too long. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right, studio audience. That's enough. All right, well, thank you, Opa, for another great Opa's Corner. Now, uh, let's play the Protocol That Kills promo. Did you know that a government-incentivized hospital protocol has led to the deaths of untold numbers of unsuspecting people? The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons noted, we now see government-dictated medical care at its worst in our history, since the federal government mandated these ineffective and dangerous treatments and then created financial incentives for hospitals and doctors to use only those approved and paid for approaches. The book, The Protocol That Kills, exposes the lethal regimen adopted by hospitals to maximize profits at the expense of patients' lives. This exhaustive expose provides a first-hand account of the protocol in action as it was invoked on an otherwise strong and healthy 52-year-old Rob Skiba who was diagnosed with a viral infection by the admitting hospital. Within 40 days, this valiant Army veteran who had sworn to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, 
had fallen at the hands of a government-incentivized domestic enemy. This over 400-page true crime story uncovers every aspect of this lethal protocol in action, despite the protest of Rob Skiba and his wife. It includes disheartening text messages from Rob, who was locked away from his wife because she was forbidden to enter the hospital in the name of the protocol. Lawfully recorded detailed conversations his wife had with doctors, therapists, nurses, and hospital staff. Numerous pages extracted from the over 5,000 page hospital record that exposed the protocol that led to his tragic death. The testimony of a medical expert who provided his detailed analysis of the case. Invaluable and timely insights of a legal counsel who provides the story behind the story by providing crucial details and evidence along with over 100 citations from clinical studies, medical journals, federal regulations, and relevant books and articles that prove Rob did not die of natural causes, but due to the perpetrator's insistence that he follow the mandated and inhumane protocol that kills. As Richard Bartlett, MD says, this book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. The purpose of this book is to sound an alarm of a clear and present danger as this lethal protocol is still being used against patients in hospitals all across America and to provide you with essential insights that can help save your life or the life of someone you love. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Get a copy today at theprotocolthatkills.com. So if you haven't already got yourself a copy of The Protocol That Kills and, and you want to find out what truly happened to my dad, we'll leave a link down in the description and it's the website theprotocolthatkills.com. Now it's time for some mystery. So this week for history, we're going to be talking about several different things. Uh, just kind of, you know, some are fun, some are not so fun. But let's let's start off with the first one. This is this clip is about how I think MK Ultra is being used on the masses today, and I found this very interesting. So check this out. As everyone now recognizes, media polling was election interference in the truest sense of that word. By powerful special interests, these fake polls were designed to keep our voters at home, create the illusion of momentum for Mr. Biden. It's never been used to the extent that it's been used in this last election. The importance of the media's power and influence can only be fully appreciated through a complete understanding of who or what the media are. The industry of mass media is big business. Ownership of the primary mass media in this country is generally in the hands of giant corporate conglomerates that are engaged in various media and non-communication business ventures. The majority of national news coverage comes from only a few sources, known as the big media, consisting of ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, which also publishes Newsweek magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Gannett, which publishes various papers, including USA Today, 
Time Magazine, Associated Press, AP, and United Press International, UPI. Most local newspapers receive national stories from the AP and UPI wire services. Many commentators are concerned that the wealthy and politically powerful of society dominate or monopolize dialogue. Critics contend that a class of media elites composed of owners, producers, and managers has emerged to determine which messages reach the public. Access to the media is essential to effectively communicate a political belief to a significant number of viewers, listeners, or readers. However, the present state of the mass media, consisting of a few large monopolies, makes it nearly impossible for unpopular views to be heard in the marketplace, which brings us to the agenda-setting theory. Agenda-setting theory describes the ability of the news media to influence the salience of topics on the public agenda. That is, if a news item is covered frequently, the audience will regard the issue as more important. In reality, mass media only shows the audience what it comprehends as an important issue. Print or broadcast news will then take away the audience's ability to think for themselves. Therefore, the big media can and will influence public opinion. What kind of country are we going to be? Four more years of George, uh, George uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. As you can see there, Biden appears to struggle to remember Donald Trump's name during an interview on Sunday. And there are many examples of that. It seems to be an instinct across the Trump disliking media to push back against negative news about Biden, whether the journalists believe it's true or not, because it might be damaging to Biden's chances of winning the election. True information has been scrubbed or deranked, either by platforms or by a confederation of press outlets whose loyalty to the Democratic Party far now overshadows its obligation to inform. Now, there is another method big media uses to influence public opinion, and this is known as adversarial journalism, or gotcha journalism. Gotcha journalism can include various methods, such as moving away from the agreed-upon interview topic, or switching to an embarrassing subject that was agreed to be out of bounds. Interviewers might also confront interviewees with prepared material designed to contradict or discredit their positions. Gotcha journalism is often designed to keep the interviewee on the defensive by forcing them to explain some of their own statements taken out of context thus effectively preventing the interviewee from clearly presenting their position. I say that because I need to dis uh, discredit you, but that's what you, you told me. You discredited yourself. I didn't want to have this kind of, of angry. Course you did. No, I didn't. Of course you did. No, I didn't. Well, then you, you don't ask Joe Biden. I see Joe Biden giving softball after softball. I've seen all of his interviews. He's never been asked a question that's hard. Okay, but... This type of journalism is always premeditated and used to defame or discredit interviewees by portraying them as self-contradictory, malevolent, unqualified, or immoral. This effect is also achieved by replaying selected quotes from public speeches, followed by hand-picked footage or images that appear to reinforce negative images of the interviewee. We are all aware that we are currently locked in a fact war that is becoming ever more detached from reality. Political debates, when you listen closely to them, are largely made up of one person throwing one set of facts at the other person as they would a punch. It's very seldom that the issues at hand are actually being debated in any real sense. And these days, it seems not to really matter whether you believe in your fact or not. If it suits your agenda, you can use it very effectively as a weapon against your opponent. We understand that certain news outlets are supportive of particular political parties or movements, and that's fine. Just because a newspaper is partisan, that doesn't lessen its quality. But there is a difference between being selective in what you publish and actively misrepresenting reality. The short-term effects of that strategy might be effective, but over the long term, it will chip away further at trust in the media. America's mainstream media might be doing everything they can to get rid of a dangerous president, but in doing so, they are setting a dangerous precedent.
Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to serve our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on social, social media. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 This is extremely dangerous, dangerous to our democracy. Dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Our democracy. Extremely dangerous to our democracy. What if all isn't as it seems? What if the reality you found was false? A carefully constructed narrative by unseen special interests designed to manipulate your opinion. I've been a journalist for about 25 years and I was educated to lie, to betray, and not to tell the truth to the public. There, there is nobody coming to you and saying, well, we are the Central Intelligence Agency, would you like to work for us? No, but this is not the case how it happens. What they do, these transatlantic organizations, is uh, they invite you, they invite you for seeing the United States. They pay all your expenses and everything. So uh, you're bribed, you get more and more corrupt because they make you good contacts. You won't know that those good contacts are let's say non-official or officially people working for Central Intelligence Agency or other American agencies. So you make friends, you think they are friends and you cooperate with them. They, tr they ask you, well, could you do me this favor? Could you do me that favor? So your brain more and more is brainwashed through these guys. And uh, your question was, is this only the case with German journalists? No, I think it is uh, especially the case with British journalists because they have a much closer relationship. It is especially the case uh, with Israelis, of course, with French journalists. There is many countries, countries in the Arab world, like Jordan, for example. A couple of years ago, CBS News asked me to look into a story about a study coming out from the nonprofit National Sleep Foundation. Supposedly, this press release coming out said, the study concluded we are a nation with an epidemic of sleeplessness and we don't even know it. And we should all go ask our doctors about it. A couple of things struck me about that. First, I recognize the phrase, ask your doctor, as a catchphrase promoted by the pharmaceutical industry. They know that if they can get your foot through the door of the doctor's office to mention a malady, you're very likely to be prescribed the latest drug that's marketed. Second, I wondered how serious an epidemic of sleeplessness could really be if we don't even know that we have it. Right? It didn't take long for me to do a little research and discover that the National Sleep Foundation nonprofit and the study, which was actually a survey, not a study, were sponsored in part by a new drug that was about to be launched onto the market called Lunesta, a sleeping pill. I reported the study as CBS News asked, but of course I disclosed the sponsorship behind the nonprofit and the survey so the viewers could weigh the information accordingly. All the other news media reported the same survey directly off the press release as written without digging past the superficial. It later became an example written up in the Columbia Journalism Review, which quite accurately reported that only we at CBS News had bothered to do a little bit of research and disclose the conflict of interest behind this widely reported survey. Special interests have unlimited time and money to figure out new ways to spin us while cloaking their role. Surreptitious astroturf methods are now more important to these interests than traditional lobbying of Congress. There's an entire industry built around it in Washington. What is astroturf? It's a perversion of grassroots, as in fake grassroots. AstroTurf is when political, corporate, or other special interests disguise themselves and publish blogs, start Facebook and Twitter accounts, publish ads, letters to the editor, or simply post comments online to try to fool you into thinking an independent or grassroots movement is speaking. The whole point of AstroTurf is to try to give the impression there's widespread support 
for or against an agenda when there's not. AstroTurf seeks to manipulate you into changing your opinion by making you feel as if you're an outlier when you're not. One example is the Washington Redskins name. Without taking a position on the controversy, if you simply were looking at news media coverage over the course of the past year or looking at social media, you'd probably have to conclude that most Americans find that name offensive and think it ought to be changed. But what if I told you 71% of Americans say the name should not be changed? That's more than two thirds. AstroTurfers seek to controversialize those who disagree with them. They attack news organizations that publish stories they don't like, whistleblowers who tell the truth, politicians who dare to ask the tough questions, and journalists who have the audacity to report on all of it. Sometimes the intelligence agencies, they come to your office and want you to write an article. The German Foreign Intelligence Bundesnachrichtendienst, they wanted me to write an article about Libya and about uh, Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. They gave me all the, these secret informations and uh, they just wanted me to write, to, to sign the article with my name. I did that. It, it was a story that was printed worldwide uh, two days later. But it, it, I had no information on that. It was the intelligence agency. So do you really think that this is journalism? Intelligence agencies writing articles? So th this is how the mainstream media brainwashes the masses by using misinformation and passing it off as fact. And this is what Trump meant by fake news. I must admit, I was brainwashed for a long time. I believed everything the news told me was truth. And when I woke up, it was it had to do with Trump in 2016 when he was elected. And they were saying all these horrible things about him. And so I decided to watch a full interview. And it was nothing like the clips that they were playing to me. And this is what I believe is the MK Ultra of today. What are your thoughts, Jake? I think the orchestrated grassroots movement is really interesting hearing them talk about that in your video <laughs> really interesting video by the way uh, but the orchestrated grassroots movement is what they're using social media accounts to sway public opinion on I know we have examples of popular celebrities who would have hundreds and thousands of retweets and tweets under their comments and statements and you'll find out that a majority of these are actually bots and it's just a really interesting way of them directing public opinion by creating this fake representation of all these people interested in a topic and then that naturally gets more people interested in it just like the way that they censor us on YouTube right by mm -hmm. hiding live viewers and hiding our view counts so that people think oh it's not that popular i won't check it out versus doing the opposite with all of these agendas it, it, it's insane yeah do you think it's do you think it's the mk ultra of today yeah in, in a lot of ways the internet and our technology our phones and the access that it gives them in our lives is a whole nother level of social engineering control and access that uh, they can start to implement. Well, you're going to love my history for next week. I've been working real hard on it. I'm still working on it. but So that, that was our first history topic. Now, um, the second history topic is kind of fun because I'll tell you more about it. But Jake, do you know who John Denver is? This man right here? No, I'm not super familiar. I, I, he's, he's a famous singer, right? Yeah, Take Me Home, Country Road. You oh, know? okay, yeah, yeah. And he sings uh, Rocky Mountain High. I'm not quite sure how that one goes, but uh, I thought we'd talk about him today because I have a very interesting thing I would like to, to tell you guys 
so let's play that first clip so you get a little background on who John Denver is. Life is old there, older than the trees. Take me home, country roads. Country roads, take me home. It's a song with so much power, it's been recognized in varied forms of media. But you can't honor that hit song without recognizing the legend behind it. And today we're discussing the legacy of John Denver, a folk rocker who made some amazing strides and released some of the greatest pop country hits of all time. Rocky Mountain High. A young military mountain man. Henry John Dutchendorf Jr. was born on December 31st, 1943, in the military town of Roswell, New Mexico, only a couple years before the infamous UFO sighting in 47. His father, mm. who John often clashed with, was a conservative U.S. Air Force test pilot and also a drinker with a bit of a temper. His father would regularly get posted in a variety of places, which brought the family to various southern and southwestern states, and even temporarily to Japan. But John attributes his happiest times to his grandmother's farm in Oklahoma, where he heard the classic country music of the era, and his other grandmother actually gifted him with an antique Gibson guitar. In 1957, the family settled in Fort Worth, Texas, and John would later attend Texas Tech University, pursuing a degree in architecture, and it was here that he began singing in a folk music group called the Alpine Trio. But his education wasn't made to last, as the folk rock fever began sweeping all over the American West. Denver dropped out of Texas Tech and moved to LA, where he coined that infamous moniker John Denver, an ode to those mountains he loved so dearly. In 1965, Denver scored a major breakthrough when he replaced the eponymous Chad Mitchell of the Chad Mitchell Trio as the lead vocalist and guitarist, besting some 250 other performers who auditioned for the job. After performing at a college in Minnesota, Denver met sophomore Annie Martell, and the two were married the following year, and later adopted two children, Zachary John and Anna Kate. And in 1968, when the Mitchell Trio disbanded, Denver released a solo album. Take Me Home. Denver moved to Aspen, Colorado in 1970 and signed a record deal with RCA. And the following year in 71, John Denver would co-write and perform the song that would transform him from a local legend to an American folk rock sensation. Take Me Home, Country Roads. John Denver's Ode to West Virginia. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. A song that hit number one on the record world pop singles chart and number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, topped only by How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by the Bee Gees. But man, mm -hmm. this song became such a hit, the West Virginia legislature approved a resolution to make it the state song. John's ex-wife, Annie Denver, describes John as driven to write songs, saying that the music came out of a very deep place, and oftentimes, out of that deepness, John felt very alone. If you listen to his songs, there's a lot of loneliness there. Some other John Denver hits include Thank God I'm a Country Boy. The beautiful Annie's song, which was dedicated to his wife and reportedly written in 10 minutes on a Colorado ski lift. And Rocky Mountain High, a very memorable ode to Colorado and those clear blue lakes. 
In a decision that came as no surprise to most, Colorado Governor John Vanderhoof named Denver the state's poet laureate in 1974. And John would gain equal popularity among both the pop and country audience in 1975. When he took home Country Music's Entertainer of the Year Award, this decision infuriated country purists, including the show's host, Charlie Rich, who actually set fire to Denver's award envelope with a cigarette lighter. That's now that's rich. Up. It seems that many music critics didn't seem to embrace the shifting attitudes of the time, nor Denver's quote, overly sentimental lyric, bridging folk, pop, and country in a fresh way. People forget how huge he was worldwide. And John Denver's career was as big as those Rocky Mountains in the mid-70s, when Denver won four American Music Awards, honors that measured the sentiments of music buyers rather than industry figures. So one of my favorite parts of my childhood was hearing Opa's stories. When I was going to school, when I was going to baseball practice, I like I preferred it over my Game Boy because his stories were always so cool and they're, and they're they're true and he could I was just so blown away about how many cool things that he was able to experience and one of the cool things that he experienced was he actually met and befriended John Denver. So Opa, can you tell me a little bit of about how you met John Denver, where you met him? I was uh, I was on a flight from, uh, I believe, Chicago to Amsterdam. I'm, I was uh, going to work at a, uh, a factory that we sold a system to. And uh, sitting across from me was a guy that I looked over at. And then partway through the flight, it, I mean, I, I looked at him and I thought, wow, this guy looks familiar. And then uh, uh, partway through the flight, I realized that that was John Denver. And we struck up a conversation and the seat next to him was empty. So he asked me to move over and uh, I moved over and we sat down and talked for, well, I don't know. That's a long flight. So. Yeah, it was, it's a long flight. And we probably talked about, I don't know, two, three hours just talking about things like uh, Fort Worth and Texas Tech and things that he was doing. and music in general and the fact that I had a little folk group uh, that we uh, sang some songs with and I was a solo folk guy too and uh, as we were traveling he said well you know what are you doing when you get to Amsterdam uh, how about uh, I give you a backstage pass and you can come watch my concert and I said well hey that that'd be great I, I, I probably can uh, squeeze in some time to uh, to be able to go and so uh, I did I mean uh, it, he was there for multiple days for this particular concert and I couldn't go the first day because I, I was at the factory for quite a long time and um, then uh, uh, the second, his second performance, I, I went and watched the performance and everything, and it was great. And as I was backstage, I wanted to, to say hi and that I was there and everything. But man, I mean, he was just swamped, sur swamped surrounded by reporters and everything else. And he did, he did see me back there, and I just kind of waved at him, and he waved back at me, and then. I had a very early morning that I had to be at the factory, and so I, I really needed to get back to the hotel, otherwise I, I'd be just, you know, wiped out for the next morning. And uh, but man, I mean, the guy was just a in, sweetheart, uh, really incredible. He was very friendly, very. Uh, 
forthcoming. And down to earth, he seemed. Yeah, very down to earth. Because most stars, I mean, you would think of them as like always being rude or, or like, you know, I'm above you. But the way that you explained him to me was he was he was very personable. He could he could relate to you, and especially you being a, a folk singer. I mean, you guys could probably relate on a bunch of stuff. Did you guys talk about music? Oh, yeah. We, we talked about music. And uh, like I said, I was a solo uh, folk singer and uh, was in a trio. And uh, I talked about our times uh, that we performed in front of uh, audiences and things like that. And On national TV, hometown yeah. hootenanny. Yeah, well, I was, uh, that was my 15 minutes of fame, and that was the end of that. But, but yeah, he, uh, he was a really a down-to-earth guy. I mean, he, he, he wasn't uh, what you would think of a, of a, a, a superstar. A superstar, right, exactly. That's really cool. Jay, do you have any questions? I'm just so amazed with some of the stories Opa has. I think that in itself is just mind-blowing how many uh, crazy stories you have. And uh, I, I'm wondering what else is knocking oh, around up there, what other the, stories he's got. There are many more, and I'll, I'll have to cover one, and it involves, uh, what's his name, Johnny McEnroe? You know who that is? Tennis player? The one that would, used to cuss and, like, throw tennis rackets and he was like the happy oh, he I'm was like a video of that. yeah he was like happy gilmore but with tennis pretty much <laughs> so i'll have him tell that story maybe in a week or two but opa can you pull up some of those photos i found i found some photos of the exact day that opa saw uh the concert and this was him in amsterdam here's one photo and uh there's another one close up I like that shirt, man. Cool. And then I think I was able to find the poster, too. Yeah, there it is. And that's just such a crazy, such a crazy cool story. And Opa has so many. I, I wish I could have at least one story that's like that cool. Because music today is dead. I'm sorry. Music today is dead. And don't even get me going on that. But, um... This is back when musicians actually meant something. They actually played their instruments. They actually, you know, could write their own lyrics and, and, and everything. I mean, it's just insane. The, the amount of talent, the amount, the, the amount of just pop culture that Opa got to experience is amazing. This poster actually is uh, not for the Amsterdam, but he went to several cities within, uh, Amst uh, within Holland. And this one happens to be at The Hague, uh, which was, I believe, the last stop in, in the Holland that uh, he had for his, uh, his tour. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of Opa's story about John Denver. And it's so sad because he was such a nice guy. And, and you know, later they found out that all he wanted was a friend. He wanted a friend that would treat him real, that was like like a real person, not just a yes man or whatever. So what ended up happening to him and how he died is very tragic and sad. And uh, that's what's going to be the next clip to kind of show you, you know, the sad ending of John Denver. So let's check this out. Who really was John Denver? And what do we know about his sudden and tragic death? In 1997, John Denver died in a plane crash off the coast of Monterey Bay, California. There's more that meets the eye to the life and death of the acclaimed singer-songwriter, though. 
For one thing, Denver's first name wasn't John, and his last name wasn't Denver. He wasn't just a singer, either. He was also an actor, an advocate for the environment, and an outspoken opponent of censorship. After his sudden and tragic death at the young age of 53, further details emerged about Denver, details that threatened to besmirch the folk rock hitmaker's squeaky clean public image. The man who would one day become John Denver, an Air Force brat named Henry John Deutschendorf Jr., Denver was the son of an accomplished career pilot and moved a lot during his childhood. From a young age, he was interested in music, and he received his first guitar when he was 11, the caveat being that he had to promise to practice regularly. He did so in an era of wholesome popular music typified by well-known folk groups such as the Kingston Trio, the New Christie Minstrels, and others, all of whom influenced Denver's sound. Denver's big break came when popular folkies Peter, Paul, and Mary turned his song Leaving on a Jet Plane into a sizable hit and it's still among Denver's most well-known We'll get back to Peter, today. Paul, and Mary From in there, a second. Denver would record as a solo act with songs like Take Me Home, Country Roads. He followed that with a dizzying run of best-selling singles and albums, including Back Home Again. All the while, he cultivated the clean-cut image of an environmentally conscious singer-songwriter. In addition to his career in music, Denver maintained a lifelong interest in flight. A short time after that, in the early 1990s, a darker side to Denver's personal life emerged. It was during this time that he was twice arrested on drunk driving charges. Denver pleaded guilty to lesser charges in one case, while the second case ended in a hung jury. A retrial was set, but Denver died before it took place. With those DUIs on Denver's record, many wondered if drugs and alcohol had perhaps been a factor in the plane crash that killed him. That turned out not to be the case, however. After a routine autopsy, no drugs or alcohol were found in his system. Due to Denver's record of driving while intoxicated, though, his flying license had been revoked at the time the fatal accident happened. Therefore, he was flying illegally nonetheless. Unfortunately, that didn't stop him. The aircraft that Denver died in was a home-built experimental plane, and Denver was practicing takeoffs and landings when he crashed and died. According to the accident report, Denver was alone in the plane, so it's difficult to know for certain what happened but pilot error is believed to have caused the accident. According to the National Transportation Safety Board, Denver, who had informed the tower that he would fly for another hour right before his plane went down, likely reached backward in the cockpit to switch fuel tanks when his body inadvertently shifted on the controls. That sent the plane into a spin from which he couldn't recover, possibly due to his inexperience flying that kind of aircraft. The engine of the plane was later recovered from 40 feet of water, and Denver's official cause of death was declared to be blunt force trauma. So, yeah, he tragically died, and uh, the reason why I said Peter, Paul, and Mary is um, Opa has another connection, and let's hope he's willing to share it. So, I this is what I know. Opa's sister, his oldest sister, was best friends with a lady named Carolyn Hester, who was the original choice to be in Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, Peter and Paul's first choice was Carolyn Hester and she discovered Bob Dylan so can you tell me a little bit more about that Opa? Yeah uh, my sister uh, Carolyn Hester went to uh, a high school here in Dallas the same high school that I went to and 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 my sister went to and they became really best friends and are still best friends today I mean they, they communicate with each other uh, regularly uh, and um, the story goes that uh, Carolyn uh, was a a very accomplished folk singer of her, uh, you know of on her own. Uh, she, Joan Baez, Judy Collins, those were all 
uh, folk singers of their time that were very, very uh, uh, popular folk singers. Uh, when Peter, Paul, and Mary started to uh, come together, or when, when the trio started to come together, Peter and Paul uh, really liked Carolyn's voice and felt that it would come together. She was known as the, the songbird. And uh, they, they felt that her voice would really come together very well with their, with their singing as a trio. And so they invited her to come uh, uh, be, be part of the, of the trio, and it would have been called Peter, Paul, and Carolyn, which is, I guess didn't rhyme as well as Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> but uh, she, she decided that she, she didn't want to do that. She just wanted to stay solo on her own. And uh, so that's... That's just sort of a, an unfortunate, or, or fortunate as Peter, Paul, and Mary might be, uh, a turn of circumstance. Uh, the other thing that Jerry and I mentioned was is that uh, when Carolyn was uh, performing uh, in New York, she always would go to some of these underground uh, nightclubs and things like that, and she saw this guy named Bob Dylan. And uh, she was really Bob a who? Dylan, Bob <laughs> Dylan, and uh, so she she invited him to uh, come uh, to one of her recording sessions, and he actually uh, sang and played a harmonica into background for one of her records, and uh, her record label uh, really she convinced her her record label to go ahead and assign him. Well, if we could get. Carolyn Hester on the show or Bob Dylan I'm putting the call out right now we would love to have you because especially Bob Dylan there's some questions that I'd really like to ask you and you guys <laughs> know what I'm talking about thank you Opa for sharing that story that was awesome so uh, that's all we got for um, uh, John Denver so now for my next clip I, <laughs> I stumbled across this funny crazy AI generated thing a race swap. So what? <laughs> let's just play it. <laughs> These are all people. That's Robert Downey Jr., Kanye West, or Ye. And they look so real. It's weird. He looks just like my friend H. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Brad Pitt. He would definitely have that hair. Will Smith. Elon Musk. He is South African. Muhammad Ali. Oh, boo, Joe Biden. Margot Robbie. Meryl Streep. I, I don't like her at all. Mac Miller. Tupac. And Drake. Drake kind of looks the same, actually. And then there's Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> and White Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> And then Marilyn Monroe. I just thought that was funny. What do you think about that, Jake? I mean, they look like real people. Like, they look yeah, like that's how they're supposed to look. 
it really does break the spellcraft of racism because you see that it's literally just a skin tone. It, that there's not much difference in people when you swap the color, yeah. right? And it's just and, and, crazy. And the, really... and the beauty in people, it's it's apparent regardless of race. And the the, the Whoopi Goldberg's not so much, but you know, looks the same to me. I mean, same person. You can tell that she would talk the same and like, you know, be a liberal yeah. the same. And it's just so funny. I don't know. Yeah, there's one race, the human race, and I think that really kind of demonstrates that well. We all bleed the same color. Uh, okay, so that's what I got for that, but I got one more AI clip, and this was originally for the Patreons, but I decided to share it with you guys. I don't know if Jake has seen it yet, but I was having a little bit too much fun with that AI-generated voice swap, so enjoy this next clip. I just want to introduce you guys to one of my cats. His name is Romeo, but we call him Bubba. We call him Bald Arm Bubba, actually, because he got bald little arms because he, he obsessively licks his legs, but that's okay. He's quite frankly one of the best beautiful cats we've ever had. Now I'd like to introduce you to another one of my cats. Her name is Julia. We call her Doogee. She's always hiding in her little hidey hole, but we still love her. She was uh, rescued from a dumpster, found in a jar of peanut butter, and I'd like to introduce you to my last, my favorite, my yeah. baby boy. His name is Charlie. He has the biggest Instagram following of any cat I've ever known, any cat I've ever known. He is one of the most handsome kitties, and he's the best. Born in this little tuxedo with this cute little handsome little face. I love you, Charlie. So, so what do you think of that, Jake? You get to meet my cats. That was that was hilarious, man. <laughs> if you guys want me yeah, to make more of those, I can. can yeah, it is crazy what we can do with AI. I mean, that's just an app, you know? Like, you can anybody can download it. I'll have to find the name of it because I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it's fun. Yeah. It, it is hard unless you can master the mannerisms of the way they talk. Like, Trump, the, the way you do Trump is... You, the way that you pause, and then you, quite frankly, you gotta hit the nail on the head. And if you don't, if you don't, and people are sleepy, you gotta tell them and call them sleepy, and it's kind of like that. You just have to master their flow. And you guys uh, are gonna are gonna really love our upcoming uh, music video when it does come out because there's some cool stuff in there. So. Oh yeah. That's all I got for history, man. I hope you guys enjoyed. And now, uh, let's play that Skiba Beef ad. Check this out. Henry Kissinger once said, who controls the food supply controls the people. The powers that be are attacking our food infrastructure right now with the intention of making us eat bugs. I won't be eating bugs and neither should you. Go to SkibaBeef.com and secure yourself some long-term storage beef cubes. These aren't beef crumbles. These are real cuts of beef freeze-dried for over 10 years of shelf life. Use promo code SKIBA10 at SKIBABEEF.com for a discount. Yeah, so check out Skiba Beef. It, it's an amazing product, and uh, yeah. So you got some memes for me, Jake. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Well, meme me up. Meme me up. Meme me up. Meme me up. 
If pseudoscience was an outfit, <laughs> but <I'm... laughs> I've noticed how much of a religion NASA is because you have all the people fanboying it out in public. Oh and, yeah, uh, it reminds me of how people fanboy like in Christianity. They everybody wears crosses. Well, yeah, fan, NASA fanboys all wear their badge of honor, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially Joe uh, Rogan. You know that. Yeah, Joe Rogan just recently did. Oh, and Alex thing. Jones. Alex Jones, too. Fanboying it just to prove they're on the inside, on the in club. Yeah. All right, here's uh, that famous picture of the dad protecting the kid from the fiery darts of the enemy. Well, this is uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> You're going to have to send me that. Son. Uh, pretty hilarious. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, I bet that was exciting. Somebody cutting an electric Ooh. line. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Uh, here's a quick explanation of the various theirs. Uh, there, there, and they are. So pretty uh, straight to the point. Help us understand the English language a little bit. Cool. Uh, Don't go baking my heart. I wouldn't if I fried. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> That's funny. A bass bassist playing a bass bass. Let me say it right. I, I couldn't help myself. A bass bassist playing a bass. <laughs> playing a bass. Oh, man. Uh, uh, okay. A bass bassist playing a bass bass. What did you call me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bass bassist. What was it? A bass yeah. bassist playing a. I can't, man. Yeah, a bass, it's, it's a really bass bass. Oh no, I messed a up. A bass bass. <laughs> That's cool. All right, uh, fish smarter, not harder. <laughs> and when fun. the game warden shows up, uh, honestly, officer, I was just washing my worm. <laughs> okay. Uh, I find you irresistible. Why? It's my pheromones. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, free plants. So this is how I die. Instead of uh, free lollipops, it's a <laughs> stranger van, stranger danger offering free plants. Huh. I love NASA. Oh, blocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, formerly known as Prince. Shut up. That's not real. Formerly known as Prince. Wouldn't that be great if that was a real photo? <laughs> I know, right? That one's great. We just passed through Mother's Day, and my wife noted that it was interesting that a bunch of people were posting fathers top, like, how grateful they are for fathers because they're like, oh, I don't want to go with the flow. It's Mother's Day. I'm going to be grateful about my father, all the fathers out there. I'm like, don't you know that there's a holiday for fathers, too? It's called Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> but this is one of the ones that Sierra saw. Congratulations to all the fathers who made Mother's Day possible. Okay. What is a woman? <laughs> uh, when you need a permit to build a deck, but not to store a boat. <laughs> you just use the boat for your deck. <laughs> I'm surrounded by idiots. Sorry, I had to drop that one in there. Oh, that was a good, good, good one. Yeah. Uh, truck for sale needs parts. It's just four tires. 
Uh, this is when you identify as a USB hub. <laughs> oh, I could totally see that being a thing. Uh, my generation will decide the future. Your generation can't decide if they're a boy or a girl. <laughs> Some of you think you're a USB hub, apparently. <laughs> okay. Uh, adults, kids these days with their participation trophies, also adults. I voted. As I stole all, I stole all the stickers last time I voted. <laughs> <laughs> Just so nobody else could have one. Just kidding. Alright, uh, stick a turkey leg in a sneaker and let your dog patrol your yard. That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty terrifying. People should legit do that. That's, that's frightening. <laughs> uh, famous topics in art history. Hercules attempting to give his cat a pill. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> that one is pretty great. Oh, man. That's All so right, true. Uh, with today's state of real estate, open house, one bathroom, tiny house, under <laughs> 100,000. That's funny. The porta potty. All right. Uh, the cops are down the street. When you want to know but don't want to be obvious, you vacuum the yard. <laughs> That's funny. I, I always uh, feel that way when I see... You know, cops getting on somebody. I'm like, Ooh, what's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> Rubbernecking. Here's a, a loose gravel warning sign. Hmm? <laughs> Looks more uh, like a landslide. Uh, yeah. I hope everybody's okay. Oh. Opa's having too much fun with the controls right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is when you got to use that sound, Opa. When you can't afford a car with parking sensors. <laughs> that is you've, uh, that's fine. Pumped into them. All right, good time. All right, uh, this is my horse. I call him Mayo, and sometimes Mayo nays. Oh. Uh, uh, no, no, this is the good, t good one for the, the oh. surrounded by idiot. I'm surrounded by that one's idiot. me. That's my favorite oh, okay. line of that movie. I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> uh, and uh, a proud ancestor of an honor student at Starfleet Academy. <laughs> With uh, Trump's Star Force, I'm sure we'll be seeing stickers like this. In the Space in Force. The Space Force. The Space Force, not Star right. Force. <laughs> <laughs> Star Force, Space Force, Star Wars, Space Force. It's War. all the same stuff. Right. It's propaganda. That's all for this week. Jake, thank you for another great current news and memes as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opa's Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed the history in this episode. And thank you guys for being here every week and for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Subscribe and stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com Also email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, 
please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.